Chapter 1, The First Vision President Gordon B. Hinckley rests the entire truthfulness of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on the validity of the first vision when he stated, Our whole strength rests on the validity of that first vision. It either occurred or it did not occur. If it did not, then this work is a fraud. If it did, then it is the most important and wonderful work under the heavens. Gordon B. Hinckley When studying the circumstances surrounding the first vision, issues arise that are not taught to members of the church. These issues involve the timeline, common first vision-like accounts, Joseph's multiple accounts, contemporary statements, discrepancies in the official version, and continued concealment. First issue, the timeline. Joseph Smith claimed to have experienced the first vision in 1820, yet there appears to be no record before 1832. The church confirms this fact when it states that the oldest account written in 1832 was part of an autobiography. This account emphasized Joseph's quest for religious truth and his desire to be forgiven of his sins. Therein, Joseph stated that the Lord said to him, quote, Joseph, my son, thy sins are forgiven thee, end quote. If this event occurred in 1820, then it was 12 years later when Joseph decided to first make a record of it, two years after the organization of the church. No contemporary periodicals in the 1830s mentioned Joseph Smith, None of the publications of the church in that decade and no journal or correspondence from that time mentioned the story of the first vision. Former church historian James B. Allen acknowledged that the story of the first vision was not known in the 1830s. Elder Allen stated that in the 1830s, the general membership of the church knew little, if anything, about it. According to the historical record, there is no reference to the first vision in any published or hand-recorded material in the 1830s. In 1830, the church first published the Book of Commandments, a predecessor to the Doctrine and Covenants. It was a collection of Joseph's revelations that had been appearing periodically in the Evening and Morning Star. Five years later, the church decided to add to the Book of Commandments a series of lectures that Joseph prepared for teaching in the School of the Prophets. Joseph's lectures on faith were known as the Doctrine and his revelations as the Covenants. Thus, the name of the book was changed to the Doctrine and Covenants. Outlined in these lectures were the doctrine and theology of the church up to that point. Yet, they did not mention Joseph's first vision, even though he speaks extensively on the nature of God. Nor do the pages of the Latter-day Saints Messenger and Advocate printed in Kirtland. In this newspaper, Oliver Cowdery, who was second only to Joseph Smith in the early organization of the church, published a series of letters dealing with the origin of the church. These letters were written with the approval of Joseph Smith, but again, they contained no mention of any vision. The first missionary pamphlet of the church was The Voice of Warning and Instruction to All People, published in 1837 by Apostle Parley P. Pratt. The book contains long sections on items important to missionaries of the 1830s, such as Fulfillment of Prophecy, The Book of Mormon, External Evidence of the Book's Authenticity, The Resurrection, and the nature of revelation, but again, nothing on the first vision. The story of the first vision was not printed in the 1830s. What would later become the official account of the first vision wasn't printed until 1842. For over 20 years, there are no records of transcribed sermons by Joseph or the other elders of the church, no personal journal entries by any of Joseph Smith's family or followers, 
and no LDS periodicals describing this historic event as we've come to know it. Before its first publication, none of the more than 16,000 members of the church ever recorded hearing about it. From all this, it would appear that the general membership did not receive any information about the first vision until the 1840s. Next issue. Common first vision-like accounts. Several religious publications in the New England area demonstrate that such visions were common during the early church. Norris Stearns published his own vision in Greenfield, Massachusetts in 1815, not far from where Joseph Smith's senior family lived in Vermont. At length, as I lay apparently upon the brink of eternal woe, seeing nothing but death before me, suddenly there came a sweet flow of the love of God to my soul, which gradually increased. At the same time, there appeared a small gleam of light in the room, above the brightness of the sun. Then at its meridian, which grew brighter and brighter. At length, being in an ecstasy of joy, I turned to the other side of the bed, whether in the body or out, I cannot tell, God knoweth. There I saw two spirits, which I knew at the first sight. But if I had the tongue of an angel, I could not describe their glory, for they brought the joys of heaven with them. One was God, my maker, almost in bodily shape like a man. His face was, as it were, a flame of fire, and his body, as it had been a pillar and a cloud. In looking steadfastly to discern features, I, I could see none, but a small glimpse would appear in some other place. Below him stood Jesus Christ, my Redeemer, in perfect shape like a man. His face was not ablaze, but had the countenance of fire, being bright and shining. His Father's will appeared to be his. All was condescension, peace, and love. Norris Stearns Minister Elias Smith published a book in which he told of his conversation in 1816. I went into the woods. A light appeared from heaven. My mind seemed to rise in that light to the throne of God and the Lamb. The Lamb, once slain, appeared to my understanding, and while viewing him, I felt such love to him as I never felt to anything earthly. It is not possible for me to tell how long I remained in that situation. Elias Smith. Asa Wilde claimed to have a revelation that was published on October 22, 1823. It seemed as if my mind was struck motionless, as well as into nothing, before the awful and glorious majesty of great Jehovah. He then spake. He also told me that every denomination of professing Christians had become extremely corrupt. Asa Wilde. Billy Hibbard, a New York preacher, published his memories in 1825 and included an experience with meeting Jesus and God the Father when he was a young boy. When I came to the place of prayer, had kneeled down and closed my eyes, with my hands uplifted toward the heavens, I saw Jesus Christ at the right hand of God looking down upon me, and God the Father looking upon him. The look of Jesus on me removed the burden of my sins while he spoke these words, Be faithful unto death, and this shall be thy place of rest. Billy Hibbard. John S. Thompson, a New York minister, published another similar account in 1826. I dreamed Christ descended from the firmament, 
in a glare of brightness, exceeding tenfold the brilliancy of the meridian sun, and he came to me, saying, I commission you to go and tell mankind that I am come, and bid every man to shout victory. John S. Thompson Solomon Chamberlain, an early member of the church, published a pamphlet of his experience before he met Joseph Smith. President John Taylor later recounts, Dissatisfied with the religions he had tried, Chamberlain prayed for further guidance, and in 1816, according to his account, the Lord revealed to me in a vision of the night an angel, whom Chamberlain asked about the right way. The angel told him that the churches were corrupt and that God would soon raise up an apostolic church. Chamberlain printed up an account of his visions and was still distributing them and looking for the apostolic church when he stopped in Palmyra. John Taylor It appears that when Joseph Smith initially wrote his first vision experience in 1832, many people related stories of visionary experiences with Heavenly Father and Jesus. Joseph's story turns out to be quite a common claim in his day. Another issue Joseph's contradictory accounts of the first vision. Joseph Smith Papers records four separate accounts of the first vision by Joseph between 1832 and 1842. The first and earliest account was written on November 27, 1832. In his first account, Joseph mentions that he had already concluded that the world had apostatized from the faith and that there was no society or denomination built upon the gospel of Jesus Christ as recorded in the New Testament. He then has an encounter with the Lord, but makes no mention of two separate personages. Joseph then writes that his sins are forgiven, and the Lord agrees with Joseph's conclusion about the corruption of Christianity. The second account, Joseph's 1835 account, notes that while one of the two personages testify that Jesus is the Son of God, neither personage is specifically identified as God or Jesus. Joseph writes that he also sees, quote, many angels, end quote. The third account, the second draft of the 1838 account, was later adopted as the official version. The fourth account, the 1842 account found in the Wentworth letter notes two beings, but again, neither identifies as God or Jesus. So, which one is correct? Just after the turn of the century, the church needed to decide on an official account of the first vision. It picked the version that was printed in the Times and Seasons on March 15, 1842. What is now found in the Pearl of Great Price is the second draft of an account written by James Mulholland, one of Joseph's scribes. It was the first time any account identified the heavenly visitor or visitors as anything other than angels. Compared to the earliest mention of the first vision written by Joseph Smith himself, the official account written by Mulholland shows some discrepancies. Joseph's motivation to pray in the grove was originally a desire for forgiveness of his sins, not to know which churches were true, because Joseph had already come to the conclusion that all churches were false. Also, the near-death experience of being overcome by an evil power is only found in the James Mulholland version. And, most importantly, Joseph states, quote, I saw the Lord versus I saw two personages, end quote. The differences between both accounts are quite significant, especially in the most important piece of information they are communicating. If they are both supposed to be of the same event, then why would the official account say he spoke to God and Jesus, while Joseph's journal says he only saw the Lord? No priesthood, Relief Society, or Sunday School manual 
has ever mentioned that the first vision story found in the Pearl of Great Price differs significantly from the one Joseph originally wrote. Another issue, contemporary accounts of the first vision. It appears that Joseph told the elders of the church a very different experience than any of his written accounts. The Lord did not come with the armies of heaven, but he did send his angel to this same obscure person, Joseph Smith Jr., who afterwards became a prophet, seer, and revelator, and informed him that he should not join any of the religious sects of the day, for they were all wrong. Brigham Young The same organization and gospel that Christ died for is again established in this generation. How did it come? By the ministering of an holy angel from God out of heaven, who held converse with man, and revealed unto him the darkness that enveloped the world. He told him the gospel was not among men, and that there was not a true organization of his kingdom in the world. Joseph was strengthened by the Spirit and power of God, and was enabled to listen to the teachings of the angel. The man to whom the angel appeared obeyed the gospel. Wilford Woodruff He, Joseph Smith, went humbly before the Lord and inquired of him, and the Lord answered his prayer, and revealed to Joseph by the ministration of angels the true condition of the religious world. When the holy angel appeared, Joseph inquired which of all these denominations was right, and which he should join, and was told they were all wrong. George A. Smith How was it, and which was right? None of them was right, just as it was when the prophet Joseph asked the angel which of the sects was right that he might join it. The answer was that none of them were right. What, none of them? No. We will not stop to argue that question. The angel merely told him to join none of them, that none of them were right. John Taylor All these statements reveal that as late as 35 years after Joseph Smith's death and 59 years after his vision, the church was still not teaching that Joseph saw two personages, but only an angel. Continued Concealment Using the vast resources of the church education system, members are not informed of the inconsistencies relating to Joseph's visions. It also appears that average members are not the only ones surprised by this evidence. President of the First Quorum of the Seventy, S. Dilworth Young, published a statement in the Improvement Era on this subject. I cannot remember the time when I have not heard the story concerning the coming of the Father and the Son to the Prophet Joseph Smith. I am concerned, however, with one item which has recently been called to my attention on this matter. There appears to be going about our communities some writing to the effect that the Prophet Joseph Smith evolved his doctrine from what might have been a vision, in which he is supposed to have said that he saw an angel instead of the Father and the Son. According to this theory, by the time he was inspired to write the occurrence in 1838, he had come to the conclusion that there were two beings. This rather shocked me. I can see no reason why the prophet, with his brilliant mind, would have failed to remember in sharp relief every detail of that eventful day. I can remember quite vividly that in 1915 I had a mere dream, and while the dream was prophetic in nature, it was not startling. It has been long since fulfilled, but I can remember every detail of it as sharply and clearly as though it had happened yesterday. 
How then could any man conceive that the prophet, receiving such a vision as he received, would not remember it and would fail to write it clearly, distinctly, and accurately? S. Dilworth Young Considering that first vision-like accounts were common in New England, that it took 60 years for leadership to become aware of the two personages, and the active suppression of this information, it feels hard to be confident in the truthfulness of the first vision.